Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. This show has been pre-recorded on Saturday, January 30th, 2021, to be rebroadcast on Monday, February the 1st, 2021 at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Live in Austin, Texas on KOOP 91.7 FM and streaming live at coop.org. You can listen live each Monday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at koop.org. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. This is our 41st post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, are you ready to go to war? Pedro Gatos and bringing light into darkness Monday news and analysis since we began broadcasting on Co-op Radio in 2002 has been investigating and seeking to present genuine truth-seeking perspective to U.S. foreign policy impacts around the world, as well as other preventable human-generated behavior that creates or increases human misery in the world. Over the past 18 years, our record speaks to the veracity of our reporting. The impact of U.S. foreign policy in the world, on the world, population, is unrivaled in reach and in impact. Our presumption is that the U.S. population is a compassionate and social justice-driven people that if we know the truth of the matter, we support policies that promote the most fair and democratic outcomes. The problem is too often we are misinformed by our government and our mainstream media. Therefore, this show is dedicated to critically evaluating all information before accepting it as believable and as worthy for building our understandings upon. Tonight, our focus is on Black History Month when we're kicking off our first of four Black History month dedicated shows for the month of February 2021. This show focuses on the state of black America and the nature of systemic racism. Enjoy. One of the interesting things about oppression in our country is how well it is hidden from the public consciousness. It is ironic that something as horrific as the coronavirus can be helpful in revealing the contradictions of our healthcare system, and in revealing the nature of systemic racism in our country. So trying to remove emotions from a very emotional subject to better understand it and how to correct it, we try to apply a a science-based inquisitive process to the problem. Wanted to start with that before we can die from the disease of COVID-19, we have to get it first. We have to get the disease. And the United States is 4% of the world population approximately, but make up some 20% of the active cases of COVID-19 in the world. And when you look at what environmental factors, according to the CDC, predispose someone to COVID, one of them is being in a crowded situation, 
Another is close physical contact with each other. An enclosed space would be a third one. And the duration of the exposure would be a fourth one. So when we apply the template of wealth inequality in our country, along with issues of race, an extremely poor health environment is revealed among African Americans and other minorities. In fact, on June the 1st, 2020, Economic Policy Institute came out with an article reflecting research results that was entitled, Black Workers Face Two of the Most Lethal Pre-Existing Conditions for Coronavirus, Racism and Economic Inequality. The article was by Elise Gould and Valerie Wilson. And there, they pointed out there are three main groups of workers in the COVID-19 economy. Those who have lost their jobs and face economic insecurity, those who are classified as essential workers and face health insecurity as a result, and those who are able to continue working from the safety of their homes. They point out that unfortunately, black workers are less likely to be found in that last group. But more so, the article illuminates some important considerations. One of them is that black workers are at a greater risk from COVID-19 than their white peers, but it lists the reasons why. They list that they're more likely to have pre-existing health conditions, they're more likely to have limited access to health care, they're more likely to live in multi-generation households, in which, of course, elderly who are more susceptible to the disease are perhaps more likely subjected to the virus at a, at a rate that would be considered if they were not living in a multi-generational household. And then they're also more likely, African-Americans that is, to live in dense housing. But importantly also, they mentioned they're more likely to work in frontline industries, those that come in contact with people. And they're more likely to work without health insurance, without paid sick days, and without the ability to work at home, as we just mentioned. And when you look at frontline industries, they detail that Blacks are 11.9% of the workforce, but represent 16.6% of six of the most COVID vulnerable jobs. And so that's a 50% higher rate than if they were white. And these vulnerable jobs include grocery, convenience, and drug stores, public transit, trucking warehouse and postal services, frontline healthcare positions, childcare and social services, and building cleaning service workers. In all of these categories, they are at a markedly higher rate and therefore at a higher risk of contracting COVID-19 than the population of their workforce would should suggest. On the same subject, I wanted to share some findings from an article entitled CDC Quietly Adjusted COVID Death Data Shows Higher Relative Toll on Black Hispanic People. This article is by Will Furr of CNBC and was posted just last month on December 4th, 2020. And it highlights that the Centers for Disease Control had quietly revised its estimates for the disproportionately deadly toll that COVID-19 is taking on communities of color. After adjusting for age, the CDC now says Hispanic and Black Americans are shown to die at a rate of almost three times that of white Americans. The agency previously had said that Hispanic and Black Americans were dying at a rate of about one and two times higher than Caucasians, respectively. 
So this was brought to the attention of the CDC by Elizabeth Warren, so she should get some credit here. She pointed out that the age and adjusting for age was not previously taken into consideration by the CDC. So after adjusting for age, which the article says is a standard means of measuring disease impact, Hispanic and Black Americans are shown to die at a rate of almost three times that of white Americans. The agency previously, as we indicated, cited lower statistics. The updated analysis also shows that American Indians and Alaska Natives have died at a rate of 2.6 times that of white Americans. And that rate had been previously reflected by the CDC at only 1.4 times as high as white Americans. And then the other key summary point of the article indicates that as of November 30th of 2020, the CDC had updated their statistics accordingly. But I wanted to drill down a little bit more into that article because it really does reflect some important points. So the adjusting for the age has such an impact on the analysis because people of color are on average significantly younger than non-Hispanic white Americans. And that's because they, in part, I would suggest, die at an earlier age. Their life expectancy is not as great. But by not adjusting for age, Warren said the CDC did not tell the full story. And Dr. Liana Wen, W-E-N, she's the former Baltimore Health Commissioner, applauded the CDC agency for revising the analysis, even if it did come so late in the pandemic. Wen is an emergency room physician and public health professor at George Washington University, and she makes some really important points that the article highlights. She says that without adjusting for age, it's like comparing apples to oranges. There are underlying factors in society which are causing the disproportionate impact on people of color, she said. I hope that people will see that it's not the virus that's doing the discriminating, she said in a phone interview. It's our systems. It's our healthcare system is what I would ask our listeners to consider. I think a small excerpt from Dr. King's Beyond Vietnam speech on April 4th 1967 speaks exactly to this issue. He said, a true revolution of values will soon cause us to question the fairness and justice of many of our past and present policies. On the one hand, we are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will be only an initial act. One day we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion, he says, is more than just flinging a coin to a beggar. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring, end quote. And what needs restructuring is this system, the system that promotes and has always promoted systemic racism and such gross rates of wealth inequality. This system, and these are examples, as the healthcare system is, as our militarism and foreign policy outcomes throughout the world reflect, it is the same edifice that is creating that which must be restructured, according to Dr. King, I would argue, and more importantly, ask you to consider the absence of Medicare for all in our country and having a profit-driven healthcare system has revealed itself as being completely unprepared for this pandemic. And that has resulted largely in this 20% of the deaths 
of the world from this pandemic, yet we only have 4% of the world's population. But returning to the article, Dr. Wynn, she, she explained that people of color are more likely to have jobs that deem them essential workers, for example, which increases their risk of exposure to the virus, a point that we just detailed earlier in the show. She also said people of color are more likely to live in multi-generational housing, which could let the virus spread more easily from younger to older people. She went on to say black Americans are more likely to live in food deserts than white Americans, which leads to all kinds of health issues and increases one's vulnerability to the illness. And the Centers for Disease Control defines food deserts as areas that lack access to affordable fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low-fat milk, and other foods that make up a full range of a healthy diet. A food desert can be in an urban area where only convenience and liquor stores are within walking distance, or in a rural area where grocery stores can be many miles apart, according to a separate source here, uh, accessible only by car and not served by public transportation. While the term food insecurity generally describes a household's economic condition, the term food deserts is an issue of community access to good food. So returning back to Dr. Wynn's comments, she says it's important for us to understand why it is that COVID-19 has unveiled and unmasked these underlying disparities, she said. There are short-term things that could be done, she says. For example, targeting testing to areas that are hardest hit, ensuring that resources, including vaccines, are targeted to these same communities as well, while longer term, committing to a working on the social determinants of health should be a major focus. She concludes, on the issue of the vaccines that she refers to, I wanted to share a audio from a video that was recently published. Here's a short video that was just published January 23rd, 2021 by CNBC. It's regarding how white Americans are getting the COVID vaccines at significantly higher rates than black Americans. NBC's Priscilla Thompson reports on this issue on CNBC. Take a listen. White Americans are getting COVID vaccines at significantly higher rates than black Americans. That's according to new analysis from Kaiser Health. Take Mississippi, for example. More than 3% of white people across the state got a shot in the arm, but just 1.3% of black people. Same story in Florida, North Carolina, Nebraska, and Indiana. Every state that gives us data broken down by race, there's a dramatic disparity. And nowhere is it more stark than in Pennsylvania. There, data shows white people are vaccinated at a rate four times higher than that of black people. With one group of doctors working to bridge that gap, Here's NBC's Priscilla Thompson. Well, Chef, those numbers are very concerning, particularly for the doctors who are on the ground doing this work. It's why the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium stood up this clinic to get those shots into the arms of Black folks. Uh, they've already vaccinated hundreds of people at this site today, and more than 16,000 people have registered requesting an appointment from this organization. And Dr. Ayla Stanford, who founded this program, says that she needs more support. Take a listen. I need more vaccines. I need more personnel and I need sustainable financial support because right now everything we're doing is based on my bank account. Right now 
We're the answer for every need in the community. Every need, we're the answer. Latinx community, it's us. Homeless, it's us. Black, it's us. And the Biden administration has promised 100 million shots in the first 100 days, and they have promised to distribute those in a way that is equitable. And as for Dr. Stanford, she says that she is hopeful and optimistic about what the administration will be able to do, but that she'll believe it when she sees it. Shep? So we conclude this portion of the show by just highlighting that COVID-19 has revealed the systemic racism in a way that it has not been so apparent to the American public. Uh, we just gave clear examples of not just African-Americans being in jobs that put them in harm's way at a significantly higher rate than Anglos, not only that they are getting the disease at a significantly higher rate than Anglos, but that when it comes to vaccines, they are accessing them at a much slower rate than Anglos. Such is the disposition of an important element of our human culture that we treat as lesser human beings. But uh, before transitioning from the COVID virus overview to the state of Black America in this celebration of Black History Month, wanted to highlight some findings by an Oxfam report that recently came out. The report is called The Inequality Virus, and Oxfam published the report or made it public just this week, actually, January 25th, 2021. And it made some of the same comments the virus has exposed, fed off, and increased in existing inequalities of wealth, gender, and race, it claims, and shows. Close to 2 million people have died from a world perspective, and hundreds of millions of people are being forced into poverty, while many of the richest individuals and corporations are thriving. The report goes on, billionaire fortunes returned to their pre-pandemic highs in just nine months while recovery for the world's poorest people of the world could take over a decade. It points to how deeply unequal our economic systems are and how they fuel inequality and poverty. It shows how inequalities are intersecting and, and make visible what is often overlooked or hidden behind statistics. This from some words in the foreword by Fakil Dikolomela Langin. She's the deputy president of the Young Nurses Trade Union of South Africa. And for those of you that are not familiar with the term, you know, intersectionality, it can be defined as really the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or a group regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. So if I'm black, that would be considered a system of discrimination that I would be subjected to. If I'm a woman, that would be a level. I would suspect if I was uh, gay, that would be another level. So you can have these many layers. If I was a black woman lesbian, that would be an example of three different levels of discrimination that one would face versus if, uh, if, if it was a white male. So a pre-existing condition, envision it as the current economic model. The current economic model is the underlying and hidden cause of uh, systemic racism and arguably 
the profound economic inequality that it has produced. This then is the edifice that Martin Luther King said needs restructuring. This is what increasingly people of the world are recognizing. And inequalities are generated by this model is what is being suggested. And it's being widened, you know, these inequalities are widening during the pandemic. And the brutality of the system is being exposed by the pandemic. What is being exposed? It shows how those at the top are thriving while the majority population, people are people in poverty, uh, black people, women, indigenous peoples, and other oppressed groups, they're being crushed. This is the uh, reality that has gone on for some time, but this particular pandemic is revealing it more starkly, this Oxfam report is, is indicating. As far as the symptoms of this pre-existing condition, this disease, it robs from the poor and it gives to the rich. Inequality, wealth inequality is increasing and has been increasing in this country as well as the world. The result is an increase in misery for the most vulnerable of our society and unneeded financial security is increasing for the richest of our society. The report points out as a fact, it just took nine months for the top thousand billionaires' fortunes to return to their pre pandemic high, but for the world's poorest people, recovery could take 14 times longer, more than a decade. The report says the increase in the 10 richest billionaires' wealth since the crisis began is more than enough to prevent anyone on earth from falling into poverty because of the virus and to pay for a COVID-19 vaccine for everyone. The report goes on to make very insightful claims about race and gender. First of all, Oxfam does not use race as a biological category, but instead as a social construct. Uh, the term racialized groups instead is used to refer to all groups that do not enjoy the privileges of white people as a result of the socially constructed process of racialization. In other words, racism is not in any form or fashion natural or biological. It is a construct made by people, made by those that oppress. It shows that the most victimized are women. Uh, globally, women are overrepresented in the sectors of the economy that are hardest hit by the pandemic. It sources that out. If women were represented at the same rate as men in all of these sectors that they refer to, 112 million women would no longer be at high risk of losing their incomes or their jobs. In Brazil, people of Afro descent have been 40% more likely to die of COVID-19 than white people. If their death rate had been the same as white Brazilians, then as of June 2020, over 9,200 Afro descendants would have still been alive. In the United States, Latinx and black people are more likely to die of COVID-19 than white people. If their death rate had been the same as white people's, then as of December 2020, close to 22,000 Latinx and black people would still be alive. Such is the status of a lesser human being. And such is the reality that gave birth to Black Lives Matter. Antonio Gutierrez, the UN Secretary General, is quoted in the Oxfam report, The Inequality Virus. His remarks, COVID-19 has been likened to an X-ray, revealing fractures in the fragile skeleton of the societies we have built. It is exposing fallacies and falsehoods everywhere. The lie that free markets can deliver healthcare for all. The fiction 
that unpaid care work is not work, the delusion that we live in a post-racist world, the myth that we are all in the same boat. While we are all floating on the same sea, it's clear that some are in super yachts while others are clinging to the drifting debris, end quote. We want to remind you that you are listening to 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin, the premier community radio station of the nation. This is bringing light into darkness. This is your host, Pedro Gatos. This is the first of a series of bringing light into darkness shows in 2021, celebrating Black History Month. It is part of the co-op celebration event schedule that seeks to promote diversity and better understanding of historically and culturally significant uh, events and peoples. So in celebration of Black History Month, February 2021, we kick off our series of shows tonight and wanted to focus on systemic racism. What is systemic racism? Kind of a racial justice primer. And wanted to begin with just sharing my appreciation for Black Lives Matter. I really see Black Lives Matter as a concept uh, challenging the great disparity in our country and its history in the value society has placed on black lives relative to white lives. It's not something of the past only, it's obviously in the present as well. The balance of tonight's show will seek to critically examine this assertion. As we dive into this subject of what is systemic racism, I wanted to pay tribute and thank someone that's had a big influence on my own edification on the subject, and that would be Professor and Dr. William Darity Jr., who is at Duke University. Both he and Kirsten Mullen recently published a book in 2020 called From Here to Equality, Reparations for Black Americans in the 21st Century that I would suggest as an excellent resource for a number of the subjects that we'll be visiting Anyhow, with that said, we need to take a brief pause for the cause. When we come back, we will be unearthing and defining the important topic and concept of what is systemic racism. We want to remind you that this is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is bringing light into darkness, and we'll be back in a flash. <laughs> 